Yes, my girl. Constance Hall, one of the most talked about bloggers in the country. A look out! Opinionated, raw, thought-provoking, and never shy to have an opinion. Annalise is her best friend. The yin to her yang. The gale to her Oprah. She's the chic one. Just ask her. A show for queens, by queens. No topic is too taboo. A shame-free, judge-free space. Oversharing, commiserating, and celebrating. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, girls! Good morning and happy Sunday, Con. Happy Sunday, beautiful. Con, we've got a, a big show today, lots to get through. We're very excited. Your birthday's finally over. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that anymore. <laughs> it is. Um, but I do have a very personal experience that I, I do want to share with the Queens. Um, just a little relationship update. Okay. From me. Yeah. From you. Have you got permission to share this? I do, of course. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> And Con, Bali, we're finally going to hear about Bali. Can't wait. Of course. I'm finally ready to talk about Bali. <laughs> <laughs> but next Con, he is our king, our guru. It our is guru. the parenting legend, Steve yep. Biddulph. This is the Queen Sesh. Con and I are very excited to be chatting to Steve Biddulph. He's one of the world's best-known parent educators. He's known for his hugely successful books like Raising Boys, Raising Girls. Um, he's our king, our guru. Welcome Total back guru. to the Queen Sesh, Steve Biddulph. Hello, Hi, Steve. how are you? Oh, we're so good and we're so happy to have you on our show again. I'm glad to be back there. Um, now, Con, I actually went and saw Steve at a seminar the other week. Ah, uh, that's why you said you met him. I thought you guys did, were doing drinks or something without me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was nice. I, I, it was nice having you there in the audience. There was about 500 people that night. It was wow. huge. Yeah, it was. You do pull a crowd, though, don't you, Steve? It, it, people really want to find out about raising boys and raising girls, and, yeah. and 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 they really care about their kids, and it's great that they'll come out on a cold night to do that. Yeah. Isn't it great? It's so great, and I find getting so, I get so much. When I first had kids, I thought, oh, as if I'd ever go to a parenting seminar, rank. And then I went to one, and I got so much out of it. Maggie Dance, the only one I've ever been to, because I did buy tickets to yours with her, except something came up, and I wasn't allowed to go. Yeah, well, Maggie is wonderful, and, and Isn't but she? yes, yes, it's it's they're like. It's more like a show. It's like a yes. stand-up comedy show exactly. um, with a few parenting gotta, help thrown in. That's right. Yeah. You've got to entertain people if you want to keep them interested, you know? Well, we, we especially want dads to like it, and they come along. You can just see the pain in their face when they come in the door. <laughs> and, and, and so it's my absolute challenge is that, the, that those dads have a really good time. And, yeah. and, and, and you would have seen it was probably 40% guys in, yeah. the, in the one. And, and, that's awesome. And, and they were... They were crying and they were, you know, taking it wow. all on board, nodding their heads. So, wow. it, yeah. And I, I love, Steve, that you're also such an advocate for men's mental health. It's not just about the kids' stuff that you do. And I've seen, you know, you've done Facebook posts recently about men's mental health and we're at a crisis point. Why do you think that is? Okay, well, I think that it's getting better. Um, I think men are, have turned the corner with this, but it's all to do with emotions. And um, you see, if if what happens for with all of us, you know, something, if you have something bad happens to you as, as, as women, it's something happens and, and you go into a bit of shock and and you feel a bit kind of numb and someone comes along and says, 
you know, how are you? I heard about what happened. How are you going? And just the look of their face of concern, you just burst into tears. And out it all comes and they give you a hug and you talk it over. And the thing about crying is that it feels better. It it feels so much better to have a good Mm -hmm. cry. And there's there's reasons for that because when you cry, there are some... um, things, some hormones in your body, uh, endocrine, called endocrines, which, um, endomorphins, which pour out and they help with the pain of what you've lost. Um, and I, I had, my sister died last year. I only have one oh, sister and, and, so and it was, and it was just, you kind of go kind of numb to start with. And then, yeah. and then, and when I was a, a little boy, I didn't cry between the ages of nine and about 18. I'd never cried. And I think many men would be the same. Mm-hmm. And and, and then I was watching a, a, a movie with some friends and I don't even know what it did, but all of a sudden out it all came. And of course it was 10 years of, of crying built up. So it was like, whoa, you know, is this going to stop? What's going to happen? Were you um, watching My Girl? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even going to tell you the film that it was. Yeah, because remember he would have been 18. <laughs> But but it's 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 all it's such a relief and and uh, but very many men they just bottle it up and they mm-hmm. and they and, and if they've got a little one of their little children starts to cry especially if it's a little boy it stirs it up in the dad you know he feels you know crying because when one person cries we we all mm-hmm. you feel like crying yeah. with them even when you don't know what the reason is yeah. and and I think the man feels uncomfortable. And he thinks his little boy's going to burst into tears. It's unbearable. He feels so bad inside that he has to stop that boy crying before he starts him crying. Now, does that sound, does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. yeah. And, and so the dad comes down really hard on his boy. Yeah, Don't they be get a, angry. Yeah. Mm. And so the boy thinks, okay, the way to deal with this is get angry. And, and so you've got these little walking time bombs. And even in, in kindy, even in the childcare center, we have what we call sad, angry boys. And they, mm. they're sad because their mum and dad are divorced or they're just in, they're in the daycare center and they, don't, they feel lonely. And so they, what they do, they go around hitting people. And and the child carers that I talk to say, look, that little boy, I know he's he's not aggressive. He's just he's really sad, but it comes out in an aggressive way. Oh, and, how sad and, is that? Oh, it is. Um, and so we've got to get in there with our little boys and, and our teenage boys, and and just keep on letting them know. You know, it's great to cry. You know, mm. you'll be you'll you'll feel so much better, and and it's. It's lovely when you can show what you're truly feeling. And I don't know, do, do you remember the, the that surfer who nearly got eaten by a shark about a year ago? Yeah, yeah. of course. We talk about him all the time. Yeah. The <laughs> and, uh, well, I'd probably, I'd, I'd imagine that you do. But <laughs> but um, but when he came out of the water, he's, he, one of his mates, you know, ran up to him and he was crying because he thought he was a goner. And, and these two manly Australian guys, you know, hugging each other, and they'd really thought, you know, he was his best mm. friend was dead in, yeah. and eaten by shark. And and I thought, oh, this is such a good sign. These mm. younger men, they've broken the um, yep. they've broken the mold of, of you know old dried up sticks of guys in their fifties and sixties. The younger guys are doing it so much better. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I, I have a lot of faith in the younger generation. I really do. I see it all the time. It's funny what you mentioned about dads getting angry because I see it so often when a kid is like walking on something dangerous and the dad says, get down from there or you hurt yourself. And the kid doesn't listen to the dad because what kids listen to anyone? And he keeps walking along and he falls and he's crying. And the dad goes, I told you not to do it. And I'm thinking the kid's crying. He's had a natural consequence. But I can really see in the dad that he's scared. He was anxious, he was worried that he was going to lose his kid or that something really bad was going to happen, and he turns that anxiety into anger. I've noticed it so many times. That's spot on because, because fear is another emotion that men are not supposed to have either, and we're not even supposed to be all that happy. You know? Yes, you're <laughs> not allowed to be anything. No, because what happens when you turn down your emotion, whatever it is, it's like you've turned down the volume on your whole self. And, mm. and so you become kind of wooden, kind of numb. Now, there's a, it's not a, it wasn't a stupid thing that men did this because most guys who were fit, healthy guys went along to World War II and, and were in the war. Mm. And, and, and their dads were in the First World War. And, and if, you're on, if you're on, you know, storming the beach on D-Day, you don't want to get in touch with your feelings. And, mm. and, and people are dying and there's bullets flying around. It's a pretty good idea. And it's the same for women. Sometimes you just have to put your feelings on, on hold because there's a job to be done. And, and so it's good that we can do that. You don't want your surgeon who's operating on you to be going, whoa, this is horrible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I think you want, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> no, no, you want, preferably you want someone who's got Asperger's syndrome who doesn't have, a, you know, doesn't have an emotion in, anywhere in sight. Mm. And, and, um, but it's afterwards is the thing. And, and afterwards being able to sit down and say, geez, I was scared. Um, you know, th- that was really hard, wasn't it? And, yeah. and that's when we kind of, we reset our bodies back. And if you don't do that, then you just collect every tear that you haven't shed, just builds up and builds up and builds up over years, sometimes over 40, 50 years. Mm. And, and, and so what people do, they, they drink, they gamble, um, they do anything at all. But drinking is the main Australian one that men do to manage their anxieties and their feelings. Mm-hmm. And so, so it kind of comes in ways. And, and soldiers were given alcohol when they were put on leave. They were just told, you know, they, in Vietnam, I worked with Vietnam veterans. They were kept drunk all the time that they weren't wow. in combat. And that was such a damaging thing. Mm. And yeah, but it's never too late. We can always, as you say, you know, when I, I give my talks, um, it used to be men would disappear. I'd be talking and guys would be just one or two in the room, get up and leave. And I would think, you know, geez, perhaps they're bored or they don't like it or they've just gone to the bathroom. I didn't know. But one night I went out afterwards and we had ushers. It was in a theater. And I said to the ushers, the couple of guys left. Do you know what was that was about? And they said, oh, we were going to come and tell you. They were crying. Aww. And yeah, and they couldn't, you know, I guess couldn't stay in the room because they were so rattled by the emotions they were experiencing that they um, couldn't stay there for embarrassment. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well, that's, you do want to touch people's hearts, but you prefer if they could stay in the room. Yeah. And, and so, we, so that's how we started using a lot more jokes and, and a lot more humor. And so, so that just when we were getting to a point of, oh, this is so sad, I'd just say something funny and, and it would Bring carry it, it over. That's, mm-hmm. and, and that's probably why we have humor in, in mm. human beings.
that's yeah. probably why we have it because life's a bit unbearable and yeah. that's what helps you to just get your perspective again. Absolutely. That's what I use humour for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do it well, babe. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Um, now, Steve, we like to finish the show each week with Queen Vice, as you know, because you mm. gave some before. Um, and we actually have a question and it's Con's Queen Vice this week. I've got a million questions for you, Steve, but this is just, um, they've made me bring it down to one. And I thought i thought that you would be the right person to talk to about this because I was just, as I was driving here this morning, I was talking to my partner about denim, about um, step-parenting. Now, step-parenting is a really tough challenge, but as a woman, step-parenting often means bringing in somebody else's children once a fortnight or once every weekend and cooking for them and all the rest of it. But you don't actually become, you know, a, a per- permanent fixture in their lives. Whereas, obviously, my stepchildren, I have them full-time, but my partner is doing the whole, this is his first step-parenting gig. And I find that, like, a lot of women come to me and they say, I've got to break up with my partner because he's not being very nice to my kids. You know, he treats his kids really well and he's snappy with my kids. It happens all the time. And sometimes my partner gets a little more snappy and I, he doesn't agree with me. But I think his fuse is shorter with my kids than it is with his kids. And I see it happening all the time with all kinds of step-parents. And I was wondering if you had any advice, like, on how to get through the first couple of years of step-parenting as smoothly with as little damage to the kids and, and you know, the transition of becoming a family as possible. Yeah, well, I think... First is to understand what's going on there. And my my best guess about it is that if his kids are coming just for the weekend, then he's really worried about... Um, getting reconnected with them and and letting them know that you know that they still matter and that he loves them and so it's harder for him to that, be tough on that's them. that's not my situation just to make it clear for the listeners <laughs> no, i have sure. my kids full, i have my stepkids full time so they're yeah. always with us but yeah. for the listeners this is often what's hap- what men are going through yes that's right and the dads are a dad a, a dad whose kids aren't there all the time it's mm. very hard for him to be firm as well as kind because mm. Because he's only got that bit of time. He just and wants to be kind. He just wants to be kind. But the, yeah. the really great thing about a step-parent is a step-parent is, is someone who's chosen to love you um, and chosen to care about you. It kind of doesn't have to, in a, in, a, in a sense. And so I think there's a lot of benefit for kids in, in having a step-mum or a step-dad who's yeah. somebody who's... who's who's come to love you, not because you're the blood parent, but just because cause they've, they've decided to and they've built a relationship t- deliberately. And, and that's for kids' self-worth. It's like, wow, there's someone else who loves me as well. Mm. And so, so to all step-parents out there, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that you do to, to provide a, another heart that is wrapped around these kids. Uh, and so be, be encouraged by that, even though they're a bit wary, um, that it's, it's a bit hard to get the balance right. Yeah. You're doing because such a great... when your parent yells at you, like when your mum or dad yells at you mm. or, says, or says, don't do that, you know, like I can see the kids not even listening, they don't even care. Whereas when a step-parent goes, don't do that, it sort of hurts a little bit more. It's kind of like when you're at your mate's house and your mate's dad says something, snaps at you. <laughs> you know, like you just, the whole world stops. Whereas when your dad snaps at you, you're just like, whatever, dad. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Yes. And so it's it's kind of it's the, it's the start of the real world, isn't it? Yes. You're, you're you're meeting real people who don't don't have you know don't have to love yes. you because yeah it's a choice. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Thank you, Steve. I'm going to be passing that on and making sure that Denham listens to this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell him he's doing, he's doing good. And, he's and, and, doing, and, and, I love your compassion for men. Can I just say yeah. that I spend a lot of my time studying women and you're really teaching me that men are they're really complex creatures as well and you make me respect and love men that little bit more. Oh, that's really good Good of you to take that approach because, yeah, it's much easier to dump on them. So I'm sure they'll let me down much. again. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Steve. Steve, thank you so much Great for joining us. Great to talk us. to you both. Bye-bye. Bye. See you, Steve. This is the Queen Sesh. Now, and as you know, I went to Bali during the school holidays and, and nobody thought I was going to be able to go because of Mount Agung was going to mm. erupt. I know, but I'm a seasoned traveller, Annalise, and I decided I would take this risk and I would go because it, we're not going to burn me with lava. I looked up everything there was to know about. Well, I'm actually a bit of a volcano expert now. Well, cause, and yeah, I was surprised that you went because you are a doom creep. I'm a massive doom creep, yeah. but I spent a lot of money on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> What Fair can enough. I say, babe? I spent a lot of money on the trip. <laughs> Fair enough. The tough decision was, you know, when, when you co-parent your children, do you go with them or do you go without them? And I, I went without them in the end because I was exhausted. I needed a bloody break. Mm. I've had sick kids for over a month. And um, so I also didn't think that, you know, if there was a volcano, the ash cloud would be great for Rumi and his croup. Anyway, with all that aside, we finally got there and it was so relaxing. Just to get off the plane in Bali, the humidity hits you. It's so bloody nice. Mm. And everyone got sick with Bali Belly. I know. It wasn't just Bali Belly. It was remnants of the flu that Rumi had. And this is a really bad flu that's going around. It's a really, really bad one. He gave it to my sister, her husband, her children, my stepchildren. The only person who didn't get sick was Denon, my partner. So, oh my goodness! We spent the first five nights in Seminyak because I thought the kids, my stepchildren, are like two of us, two of WA's best skaters for their age, mm. and so there's a lot of it. There's a cool skate scene in Bali, mm. so the whole idea, yeah, there really is, was that they could do all this skate stuff. They and that was all near Seminyak, so I figured that you know they can go to Changu and they can go and skate and yada yada while we're there for five nights, and then we'll at the end we'll go to Ubud for two just two nights just to relax before we came home. Now no one could leave the villa for the five nights that we were in oh, Seminyak. I know, they kidding. skated once. And then we went to Ubud, everyone was starting to feel a bit better. Mm. But there's nothing to do out there. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I know. And then, yeah, we got up at bloody 2am to go and catch our plane home. So, yeah, it was really money well spent. I'm really oh, glad no. that. I know. And we came home even more exhausted than we left, you oh, know. No, and no, I promised no. my kids that because they weren't coming to Bali, I'd take them to Adventure World. So oh. I was Bali bellying <laughs> at Adventure World. Actually, something really cute happened. I went, I told my kids that they could bring two friends to mm. Adventure World because I wanted to spoil them. And the lady goes to me, okay, that'd be $360. <gasps> I know, for like oh. all the kids. And, and I was like, oh, I'm just a spectator because I didn't charge you. And I was oh. like, oh, God. <laughs> anyway, out of the blue comes this like mysterious queen who yeah. I'm, yet to, I'm yet to thank. And she just goes, oh, she's my friend and I forgot to swipe my discount card for her. Oh. And I was like, are you kidding me? And she was like, yeah, we're mates. And I was like, thank you so much. And the lady that worked there was cool with it. She knew that we were just having a laugh. <laughs> and, and then she deposited $160 back into my account because of the discount card. <gasps> And I think that she saw me turn around when the lady goes $206 and I swipe my card. I think this mysterious queen saw me turn around and and mime to my partner, thank God that approved. (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't think it would. (laughs) This is the Queen Sesh. Recently, Con, as you you know, 
I shared a photo on my public Facebook and Instagram and it was a photo of me looking at my husband and it was, you know, those photos when you first meet someone and all their photos, they're like looking at them all gooey eyed and, and loving. Yeah, yeah. Or they're all sitting on their knees. And yeah. Stuff. Mm. Well, I- <laughs> <laughs> that's before they put on the 20 kilos with the three kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite 20 kilos, but yeah, a few kilos heavier. But it was this photo of me looking at my husband like that and I was so proud and I shared it and I asked him first if I could share about why I was so proud. And the reason was, as you know, Con, a few months ago, him and I got to a point where we were nearly done in our relationship and um, it, it, it just got so bad and... Nothing, no no dramatic event happened. It wasn't, you know, something horrible that someone had done. It mm. was just like a, a slow decay of a relationship. Mm. Entirely his fault. Not at all. <laughs> but and you and you know when negativity and things that they it's they snowball and so yep. just gradually this little ball of of yep. not great stuff became a huge ball of And before you know it the resentment's taken over yep. and it's pretty much just resentment in the relationship. And contempt. And I remember yep. we, we met with you right at um, at the point where it got really bad and you said that to us. You said, look, guys, you know, contempt and resentment is poison to your relationship. I couldn't see a way through it. I really couldn't. I lost hope um, for the relationship and it, it was just, ter- it was terrible, like just a horrible time for the entire family. And but- from an outsider's point of view, it's really hard to witness because I know that you're both the best thing that ever happened to each other. Yeah. It, I just need you to get back to being the, the that, that best thing for each other, you know? Like it's not one of those relationships where as a bestie you just go, yeah. get rid of him, yeah. girlfriend, yeah. kick him to the cub sister. Yeah. There's none of that. It's love, a loving relationship. That advice from you and, and chatting to people, no one kind of said, yeah, just leave, like he's horrible. I was like, oh, he's horrible. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Not really. You're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we did counselling and weekly counselling and the counsellor said, she said, look, there's three options. You either walk away and you're done. Mm. And she said, but you might regret it later because the stakes are really high because you've got kids together. Or you can just keep going as you are, miserable and unhappy with each other. Or you can authentically work through it and get back to a place of mutual respect and love. So I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll just do it. (laughs) I don't even want to, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. I kind of said to her, like, how? Like, how do we go from this to where we need to be? And Mm. she said, and I don't know if this is orthodox or not, but it, it actually work. She said, fake it till you make it. I, I'm such an advocate for that and I've been yeah. told it as well. And I thought that sounded like, you know, it wasn't real or whatever. She said, no, because you were in love. So if you start being for the other person what you fell in love with, it's like a positive snowball effect and you're I reversing the negativity. Yeah. yeah. And so we did and we kept doing the weekly counselling for months. I also saw someone on my own, which was so, so helpful. And I'm really proud and happy to say that we are in a really good place and really in love. And And it's not fake anymore. No. You made it. Annalise, is there anything special you'd like to say to Clarence today? I love you, babes. Aww. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. Annalise, the other week you were telling me about this, like, creepy old woman that was asking you for money with, like, a funny eye. And the evil eye she, curse. Yeah, the evil eye yep. curse. And you were scared that you were cursed. And it fully mm. reminded me, and I'd fully forgotten about when, and I don't think I told you, when I was in Ireland, I like to shop by myself. That's my thing because I don't like people watching me try and close and get disappointed mm. and ask for bigger size and... <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I requested <laughs> I requested some time alone from all my family and I was walking through Dublin. I was just loving the sights and loving my life and, you know, mm. I had a shopping bag on me. This woman approached me and she was like, she looked really, really hard hard and like, well, I don't know what the right, right term is, but she'd like, she'd had a rough she'd life. She'd had a hard yeah. life, yeah. She'd had a hard yeah. life and she's come up to me and she's gone, excuse my accent, guys. <laughs> <laughs> gone, this would be good. Can you please help me? I need some money. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to do the accent then. If you're going to laugh at me, I'm not going to do the accent. It's not going to be as good a story. She asked me for some money mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she had a pram and she said, I need to get my baby to the hospital. Oh, and God. I was like, oh, okay. And she was rocking the baby and, oh and I was God. like, oh, shivers. Well, I didn't have any money. I mean, I never do. And I was like, okay, 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 let me think what I can do. And she's like, I just need some money. I just need you to give me some money. My baby will die. Nobody oh. cares. She goes, I've got five more babies at home that I, with mouths to feed. And as a mother of six, oh. I sort of got it. So she was like, please. And she was rocking the pram profusely. And I was like, okay, I'll go to an ATM. Hang oh. on. And I'm looking around. I was just going to pull out 100 euros, you know. Like, I was yeah. just so upset. And, and I'm looking around for an ATM and I couldn't find one. And I was like, I can't. I started getting really flustered. I said, like, I can't find an ATM. And she was like, oh, well, I'll take you to one. And I was like, all right. And she's rocking the pram. And I was like, I want to see this poor baby. Make sure that I don't have to call an ambulance right now. And I lifted up the raincoat and there was nothing but a pillow in there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me and this woman was like obviously used to this and she was just like, okay, so the baby's not here but the baby's at home and the baby's very, very, very sick. You have to understand. Aww. And I was like, no, I don't want to talk to you anymore and I kept walking and she was like, you must give me the money. And she started like following me and then like all these locals that obviously used to it like came over to me to ask me if I was okay and they were like ushering me to come this way and then she like, when she saw that there was locals around, she just nicked off. But yeah, I was like full duped. I get duped by everyone though except I was about to give her all my money for the pillow (laughs) (laughs) to get that pillow to hospital. That's so grim. I know. It's the grimmest moment of my life. I felt like such an idiot. And she ruined your like fabulous, fun solo shopping expedition. I'm oh, annoyed. She totally at her. ruined it. I know. Ugh. She gave me great content when I went on stage, and I was like telling the Irish people how amazing Irish people are, and then I was like, "But well, you're not all that great." That's oh. <laughs> my girl. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, girls. And we're back on for our tour of the sesh and still so much to get through. Fake lies of Instagram. Yes, this is my area because mm. I like to, I actually pride myself on not having a fake life of Instagram, which is why no one looks at my stories. <laughs> <laughs> and Con, I'm, I've got a doom creep thing that I need some advice on from you next myself. Can't wait. This is the Queen Sesh. Con, I'm feeling a bit doom creepy about something. This is my area. I know. (laughs) So my little five-year-old boy, he keeps saying to me, he says, Mum, I really want to die. And I'm like, okay, yep. And he's like, I really, why do you want to die? I want to die so I can be an angel and fly. And I'm just feeling, you know how I get a bit, Mm. Yeah, I'm just a know, bit worried about it. Just I oh. actually wouldn't worry about that because Arlo's saying the same thing to me. I reckon really? it's around that. Yeah, I reckon it's a similar thing for the age. Because I, what I did, I had a really bad um, death fear when I was young, yes. and because my mum was really straightforward, really honest about death, she was like, "Well, honey, nothing happens when you die. You get buried, and worms at your body." Oh. And <laughs> 
So I was always petrified of dying and I promised myself I wasn't going to do that to my kids. And then when my kids ask me what happens when you die, I'm like, well, you get to turn into whatever you want to turn into. Yeah. You could be a, like, Arlo loves turtles. You could be a turtle or you could be a bird. So Arlo then has started saying the same thing to me. Like, okay. when, when, when am I going to die? I can't wait to die. Great. Will my friends die when I die? Because oh. then we could all turn into turtles together. Oh, so, I'm so glad it's not I think it's kids. Yeah, I think it's more of a we're not freaking our kids out about death. Yes. And so they're sort of looking forward to it. But, um... Oh. And the flying thing, like, <laughs> do you know, I remember when I was little, when we were little, um, yeah. one of our friends, you know, I didn't have much as a kid, right? Mm. Like, I was sort of, my, I was, mum was a single mum and I lived alone because my sister moved in with my dad and mum worked like 24 hours a day and every single night I used to pray and I remember saying to one of our friends, like, do you pray every night? Mm. And she goes, yeah, I do. And she came from the perfect life, both parents, you know, mum was at home always making us sandwiches after school, dad was mega rich, they mm-hmm. had everything. And I was like, yeah, I pray every night too. And she goes, what do you pray for? And I said, I pray that like my mum will meet somebody and she'll settle down and she'll, um, you know, fall in love and that she'll Aww. quit smoking and I pray that like one day we could get a pet dog and maybe own our own house and she was like oh I go what do you pray for she goes every night I pray that maybe I could learn to fly (laughs) (laughs) and I thought to myself even at that young age of like 10 I thought to myself this is what a privileged kid has to worry about like this can't fly (laughs) (laughs) so maybe we're just raising privileged little turds (laughs) (laughs) this is the queen sesh con I saw something interesting on mum mia this week and um, it was an interview with Tully Smith. Do you remember her? Big Brother? No. no. Mm. Well, anyway, she's... Ever since I was on Big Brother, I stopped watching it. <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to let me on, that's not worth watching. <laughs> so now she's like this big influencer, which I hate that word. Oh, my God. But, I want to look her up. How many followers does she got? I hate that word too. 250,000 odd. Yep. So she's big on Instagram. She's an influencer and, you know, she's always looking chic and divine and, you know, she's yep. got a lot of sponsored posts and stuff. Obviously it's how she makes her, her living. Yep. But she's come out and she's given an interview with Mum and Mia and she said, I'm heartbroken. This Instagram is not real life. My feed, all the parties and stupid selfies and pretty photos of my free food is not real life. It's a curated version of events. It's my highlights reel. It's not what's important to me. Which I thought that was a pretty powerful thing for an influencer. It's happened to come out a few times now. There's been a few times where people have just had enough. You mm. know, there was that girl, that the 18 year old, and she just said no more mm. because you do. There does come a point when you're getting paid by sponsors where you are actually owned by them. Which is why I've never done any sponsorship because I can't be owned. No one will sponsor me anyway. But <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't handle having them say, "No, Constance, you're going to a party tonight, and mm. you're showing that you're drinking this." You know, it'd be horrible. So I, so I get what she's doing. I also think it's probably because it's how she's making money. Yes. And if you're making a living like that, then, but um, I don't understand the heartbroken, the heartbroken comment because she would have definitely known about mm. it for a while. Like the heart, I'm heartbroken. It sort of seems as if she's just found out about it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, the heartbroken is a bit odd. But yeah, um, well, maybe, maybe she meant I'm breaking hearts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, it's so. Um, there's so much pressure around social media, isn't there? People so much. They feel pressure to post, and they get feel pressure when they see posts, and it's just this weird sort of ball do you of know, anxiety. I, do you know my partner? His Instagram. He doesn't have his own Instagram. His Instagram is hooked up to his 16 year old sons. Oh. And every now and then, I'm like, what? Are you 
you looking at, Denim? And he's like, I'm just scrolling through. It's either Surf Skate or like their female friends. Now they've and their male friends, of course, but their female friends, they look like they're like 27. Wow. And they're all in like G-string bikinis and they're all on the beach. And now I know what the weather was because it is bloody cold where we live. So they've obviously <laughs> gone down to the beach, shivering their little G-string covered bums <laughs> off. And so getting their friends to take photos. Well, I'm not much better. Like, let's be honest. I'll be I get my kids to take photos of me, which is even worse. But I feel for them, you know, like it's, it must be re- a lot of pressure. Yeah. I heard a really crazy story uh, recently, a friend of mine. She had like a, a near cat fishing experience with someone who basically fabricated their entire life on Instagram. And we're going to be hearing about wow. it next. This is the Queen Sesh. Just before we were talking about, Con, the fake lives of Instagram. <laughs> and I have, I had to bring my friend along because she had the most crazy catfish story of a lifetime. Welcome to the Queen Sesh, Daniela. Hello, Daniela. Hi, girls. Basically, we had an au pair that we... Um, hired to come overseas with us and you know we thought she was fabulous we traveled with her we ended up bringing her back to Sydney we loved her so much and um, one day I stumbled across her Instagram account and realized that she had been going through my suitcase um, while we were overseas picking and choosing um, some of my outfits oh my god Swimwear, <laughs> all oh sorts my of stuff. <laughs> Crazy. Taking photos, posing, popping yeah. them on Instagram. Oh some of the wow. stuff she she decided to keep for herself and <laughs> some of the other stuff. <laughs> she decided to give back? <laughs> she gave back. Um, yeah, crazy. Also, there was a video that um, she posted as well with my husband in there <laughs> with little bit, little clippets of his of his leg, of the back oh of his head. Oh, my God. Like they were arm. a couple on, on this they glamorous were on this holiday. European holiday yes. together. Exactly. I can't, I can't blame her, Danielle. I'm sorry. <laughs> your husband is totally. gorgeous, isn't he? Yeah, he's totally. handsome. You're beautiful. If your clothes fit me, I'd steal them too. <laughs> <laughs> but the other the other thing is, Con, like she's kind of a micro-influencer. She had about, what, about 12,000 followers. So she's, oh, wow. Yeah, so she's creating this, um, you know, glamorous life that she's yes. this you know, blogging, travelling person when she's in, <laughs> literally just au pairing and stealing glamorous clothes and posing in them. Yeah, that's really bizarre. And I reckon the other one that really weirded me out, because Danielle's got a five-year-old son, there was a photo of the five-year-old son's feet wearing, Ooh. like, black Nike trainers next to hers, and the angle, it looked like it was just two adults hanging out, almost like she was using his feet she, for her yes. fake life of Instagram, like she was yes. hanging out with some cool dude in trainers. <laughs> <laughs> Because on a smaller extent, we all do it, you know, like yeah. me and my sister, we really could not be bothered going to see this waterfall in Ubud the other week. And we were so tired and we were like, but seriously, like, what the hell are we going to do about Instagram if we don't see the <laughs> waterfall? And you know what? Because um, I believe in the gods. They looked down on me and they were like, you're a fool. And they made the whole waterfall this poo brown colour. <laughs> now, there ain't no Instagram filter that's going to make that look pretty. So we got no photos and we drove like 45 minutes to this waterfall. So to a smaller extent, I guess. It, you know, like you want yeah. to look like you're having a great time. Living your best life. Living your best life. Yeah. And how old is this au pair? Because her best life would be pretty, you know, it'd be tough to be living your best life as a youngie. Thanks, Danny. 
Thanks, girls. This is the Queen Sesh. What a show. Download the Hit Network app and grab the Catch Up podcast now. What a week. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for listening, Queens. And please. Sorry, I'm trying not to laugh in the background. <laughs> and, pl- and please reach out to us on Facebook anytime. We love hearing from you. And we'll you. hear from you and we will see you next week. Have a great week. Bye. This is the Queen Sesh.